0: Love Talk Radio.
1: Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, no matter where you're listening, around the world, this is Sedona Talk Radio.
0: And hello, hello everyone out there in the big, wide world. This is Helena, Helena Steinhornstein hornstein speaking to you from Absolutely wonderful and sunny South Florida. So we are back with a a wondrous world, this amazing world so full of wonders. Yet again, we meet to talk about the many dimensions of our life and your life and the world. So happy holidays, everyone. Happy Easter and happy Passover to our Jewish friends. And happy spring to everyone else out there in the big world. So it's Easter time a time of light and new beginnings. And, you know, I love to celebrate Easter with the family and to have the Easter egg hunt going on and to be together and have a fun time. And when I grew up in Sweden, we celebrated Easter in a completely different way. Of course, my mother was big on celebrations, and she came up with lovely new and traditional smorgasbord dishes. And of course, we had all those eggs that we were allowed to paint in watercolors on the still warm eggs. And it was just a tradition. And we had to eat all of them because we were told it was not good with that paint, you know, that color on the outside of the shell, so we had to eat them fast. But in Sweden, we celebrated Easter in a completely different way, and I want to share this with the world. And we had not Easter bunnies, but we had Easter witches. This is an old legend, old tradition in Sweden. So according to legend, on Thursday night before Easter, all witches took off and traveled on their broomsticks through the skies to Blue Mountain. With them on the broom, they had a dangling coffee pot, because Swedes are very fond of coffee, and you need coffee when you travel. And hanging on to the broomstick sti- was also their black hat, you know, black, of course. And then again, according to legend, they got to Blue Mountain, where they had a meeting for two days on witchcraft, etc. Mind you, Sweden has never been a religious country. (laughs) And then after two days, they returned back to home base on Easter Eve, which was the Saturday before Easter. And uh, to celebrate this legend in a way like the Americans have, have celebrated Halloween, and most children dressed up as Easter witches on Thursday night, the time when the witches were supposed to travel to Blue Mountain, and they walked around uh, in the dark, knocking on people's doors with their empty coffee pots, and you had to give them candy or money. And then, of course, they did this again on Saturday night. So this was a kind of fun thing we used to do in those days. I don't know if this exists in Sweden overall today, in the big cities, because... You know, life has changed in many ways. But this is a very fun kind of little tradition so far away from Easter bunnies and eggs and so on with the you know out in the garden. And, of course, now I do it the American way with Easter egg hunts and Easter bunny. And always in the beginning when you have the little chel- children, you have to explain to them, you know, Easter bunnies or bunnies don't lay eggs. They don't lay eggs. So why we came up with this tradition, I don't know, but I think it's fun. So anyway, I have a guest with me today, finally, and this is Stephanie Banks.
1: Hello, Stephanie. Hello, Helena. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me today. I'm I feel very honored and privileged to be sharing this time with you and your guests today.
0: Well, thank you for saying so. You know, you had you said many made. And I get a lot of emails, unfortunately, sometimes too many, and I don't have time to read them. But usually those emails are from promoters who want to promote one or their clients. And you wrote this thing by yourself. And that kind of got my attention (laughs) because you evidently were not afraid of walking out on your own and promoting yourself. I think that's great. So anyway, Stephanie, you are... You live with your family in British Columbia, Canada, and you were born into a family of intuitives, if you understand right, and they encourage you into being your true self, meaning an awakened soul. And you had a near-death experience, and this is why you are on the show, and I believe this is the reason why you wrote this book, and uh, uh, you were... led a life like we all have lived, you know, lacking depth and clarity. And then you had this near-death experience and your life transformed completely and you awakened and began to see life for what it was. And now you are dedicating your life to mastering old ancient wisdom in classes and talks in different places to those who seek insights into our existence here on Earth.
1: So, how was that for an introduction? That was pretty much bang on. <laughs> the only <laughs> thing that I could could maybe add is that I'm I'm in I am in uh, transition. I think we're always in transition. So yes. um, I do come from the perspective of still living in a world where I um, I still have to continue on with my. My career that I had prior to this near-death death experience in 2012. So there's challenges that come along with that, with um, trying to, yeah. you know, follow my spiritual path, and and uh, and so the way that I, I do that is to incorporate this spiritual journey with my my current career as a as a business owner, and um, and try to incorporate the two in such a way that I can. I can find a balance, and I I think that's something that a lot of us suffer from. Uh, Maybe suffers the wrong word. We all have to do that, you know.
0: Yeah, we all have families, and we all have lives. And uh, what did you do before, and what are you still doing? What is your
1: profession? I have a landscape company with my brother in the interior of British Columbia. It's it's a pretty large landscape company. We have um, upwards of. Of 30 employees at any given time, so it can be quite stressful and quite busy. And this time of year in particular is a is a busy time for us. Um, yeah. But I think you know it is a it is a way of me for me to connect with nature on a on a daily basis. I'm a plant person. I I love rocks. I love plants. I love the soil and the earth. And um, I, I don't think I'd be very satisfied working. In an office or in enclosed uh, space, so to speak. So I don't think you could, could if plan. you're used to this. No.
0: So, um, no. I, I'm so interested in plants and how they react, and maybe this show is going to take a different direction <laughs> and be on plants. <laughs> it might, know. it might. Because. Uh, how is it? I found that plants react to the way you 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 behave. You know, if you're depressed, the plants will notice that. How do you feel about that? Of course, you're more into the outdoor plants probably, but what about when we have a room and someone lives in that room who is depressed and low? Will the plant notice that?
1: I think Uh, That's an interesting question. I've never been uh, asked that before, nor have I really pondered it. So it's nice to be able to think about that from the perspective of a plant. Um, I think that the plant would notice that. I think that everything around us and within us is comprised of energy, plants included. So from that point of view, I would say that plants would pick up on that. But they would contribute their high vibrational energy to us. So if a person is suffering from uh, low periods uh, within their life or depression um, or traumatic experiences, then I would encourage people to include plants in their space. I'm surrounded by multiple plants right now in front of me and they bring happiness to me. They bring life. They they provide us with uh, a lot of essential needs. And I think that plants are oftentimes underestimated as well as plants uh, outside in trees and trees and anything that's living and growing. I think you gave a wonderful answer. And uh, I talk
0: about plants and I tested a lot of, of plants, planting them in different locations and environment, and they have reacted. And what you are mentioning also, which is wonderful, is that the plants are giving back to us, and they are. And you see this, of course, all the time. So, uh, plants have feelings. The way I notice that everything has feelings. What is your feeling about that? I mean, trees and plants, and you put them on the ground, and they care, don't they?
1: They, they do. They, they truly do. And I, I believe that they. Um, they contribute in, in such a huge way. And, and I, I was just sitting here thinking about your, your last question and um, thinking about the analogy of of plants and, and the medium that we provide for them to grow in. So um, if we provide plants with the proper nutrients and uh, the proper soil and we give them lots of water and sun and love, those are basic, fundamental elements that you need to grow a healthy plant, and the same can be applied to to our our human bodies and our souls. If we use that analogy, um, we can really focus on on our, ourselves in the same way. If we provide ourselves with a environment that isn't conducive for growth and um, a nourishing environment, then our bodies and our mind and our soul will reflect that lack of um, nutrients and, and good soil, yeah. so to speak. So That's good.
0: Anyway, we wrote a book here, but not about plants. <laughs> what is the title <laughs> no. about your What is the title of your book? The title is a soulful awakening. And uh, what happened? How come you wrote the book, or what happened? What I understand here that you took your bicycle out for a ride? And then something happened. Your life changed. Can you tell us about all this? Not the whole lecture, sure. but just yeah.
1: tell us what how what happened. Okay. Well, the, the long and short of it is I live in British Columbia. And British Columbia, as many people know, is a outdoor mecca. So those of us that live here tend to play in the outdoors, so to speak. And one of the things that we do as a family is we mountain bike. So... We took a trip to Whistler, uh, British Columbia, a Mm well-known ski resort. But as well as skiing, you can also mountain bike on the hill. So you take your bikes up on the chairlift and and find your way down on your bike. So this is what we were doing. And we came to a section of a trail that intersected with um, a conglomerate of jumps and I'm not a jumper I don't I don't like to jump I like to keep my myself on the ground so the idea was I would okay. bypass the jumps go to the bottom and take a picture of my son and my husband doing a jump and as I started down something came over me and I decided to roll over one of these jumps and instead of bypass it and thinking that I could just roll over it and not get air and but the reality was, is that I, I didn't judge my surroundings appropriately, and there was a um, approximately a six to eight foot gap between the takeoff and the landing. And as that's I make the takeoff, yeah, that's a big gap. And there was about an eight foot drop below me into a rocky crevasse. We live, you know, in the heart of the mountains, so I wasn't falling on a um, on a cushion of foam mattresses, uh, instead I collided into a rock face on the other side and uh, head first and arms first, body first. My body took Ooh, the impact. That doesn't and sound I, good. No, no it, it wasn't. I mean, in the end, it was. It was a blessing in disguise. But at yeah. the time, I I didn't know that, and I ended up falling into this crevasse and landing on the rock bottom below with my bike on top of me. So yeah. I, uh, I ended up somehow, I felt like I was not really present there for a few minutes. I don't know where I went exactly. At the time, I didn't know. Now I do. And once I kind of came back to my surroundings, I saw other mountain bikers jumping over top of me because I was lying below this jump and somehow i managed to uh scramble my way out i don't know how i did that i don't have a whole a lot of memory of that they that
0: you had fallen down hadn't they
1: they did but they were quite a ways up from me oh yeah. so they they had to make their way down i was i was quite a ways down and they were waiting so at the where you were they could, yeah mm-hmm. so there i was and just to make the story a little bit sh- um shorter i I ended up biking to the bottom and I think that was pure adrenaline and shock and trauma. It was excruciating all the way down. I I probably did more damage than good. I can assure you of that. And I ended up in in the hospital uh with multiple uh broken bones. Um pretty severe whiplash bruised femurs my pedal had inserted itself into my shin so i i had uh, done significant damage to my to my shin bone uh luckily i had a full face helmet on so my head was the only thing really that wasn't damaged and i left the clinic with two casts on on both my arms and wrapped up leg and and the whole 9 yards so uh I I felt when I was in the hospital that I would panic at some point with two casts on my arms. I'm sure most of us can imagine the feeling of being confined to two casts. Well, and you're totally it was helpless. Completely helpless. So I begged and I pleaded with the doctor in the clinic to half-cast one arm, the, the the best arm of the two. And he was very apprehensive to do that. And he gave me strict instructions that if he did, I would leave the cast on. And if I ever got claustrophobic, I could unwrap the tensor bandage, take off the cast for brief periods of time and put it back on and have somebody retighten it for me. So that's what I did. And luckily it was my right arm. So I spent the next, uh, well, many months recovering. um, But during that time, the first my second day actually, my second day after the crash, I was at home and I didn't know what to do with myself. I was um pacing around my house. I was uh depressed. I was in the middle of a busy landscape season. But you could I could walk. A bucket, house I could walk. I was in pain, but I could walk. I could I could definitely walk. And I I don't sit still very well. This has been one of the things that I've been trying to teach <laughs> no, people is the importance <laughs> Yeah. No, they they don't. And it's important to do, and I think part of this crash was to get me to slow down and to get me to sit and to find that quiet space within that we all need to find in order to realign with our true, authentic self. And for me, this accident was what I needed, I believe, to, to force me to do that. So in my healing process... I was at a loss of what to do, and I've always liked to write. It's always been something that I found enjoyable, although I hadn't done much of it in the last in the past few years prior to the accident. But I thought, well, maybe this is something I can do. I'll, I'll just sit and write. So I pulled out a journal yeah. that I had, and I sat on my deck overlooking – I live on acreage, so I'm fortunate that I, I live in, in a very peaceful place. And I sat in my chair on the deck, and I thought, well, what am I going to write about? And – before I knew it, I, I was just writing and I, I wasn't really aware of what I was writing. Until so you I were finished channeling, in, in other words. I started, I channeled, and the first, exactly, in yeah. the first message that I, I channeled was from my mom, who passed away in 1996. And the channeled message was in her printing. Um, that's actually how I first realized that it was from her. And then, of course, it had her name at the end. And I sat there, um, sh- kind of shocked and stunned. This wasn't yeah, something that I had ever be. done before. Mm-hmm. So, so
0: uh, you didn't really have what we call near-death experience where you get out to your body. You had an accident and somehow life changed for you. You didn't have to have this strange experience like we call near-death where you leave your body and you see yourself from above when you walk into a different reality. But uh, somehow your life changed anyway in a dramatic way, what I understand. You changed everything about your awareness.
1: It it did, and and there's two parts to that answer. At, At that particular time when I was channeling, that's exactly how I saw it as well. But later on, I... I went a friend of mine who is a a healer in many aspects an alternative healer. He invited us up to his office and he wanted to see um if I'd be able to channel through my body. Mm-hmm. So we did this. We went to his office and I channeled uh verbally to him and my partner Steve and they recorded this channeling. I don't have a full recollection of it myself. Um And through that channeling, I was told by one of my prominent guides that I had died in that experience, and there was a a time period where I had left my body, I was shown the purpose that I had here on Earth, Um, and through that experience, I made a conscious choice to come back and... To follow this path that I was meant to be on, so mm-hmm. uh, I like it, that. It's
0: a you little know, bit. I of, like that explanation. Yes.
1: Mm-hmm. Good.
0: Well, and, so, and it's a little, maybe it's, this wasn't an accident. Sorry, we, you have, We have a little delay in this line. I noticed that from the start. So I, I butt into your talk a little bit too much, more than I intended to be, because there's a delay. So. Excuse me for that. Just so you know that this is not that I interrupt you. It's just a delay that causes this. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> yeah. I have a twelve-year-old. Well, no, I, I, I have a twelve-year-old son. delay. I
1: have a twelve-year-old son, so I'm used to being interrupted. You're used. To it. <laughs> <laughs> so um, and I know
0: that feeling. I have a twelve-year-old grandson, so um, oh. we are used to that too. <laughs> But it started to go on my nerves, you know, that I always kind of got into your sentence. Uh, But anyway, now we know, so we would just have to live with it. (laughs) No um, problem. Do do you think this was like uh, maybe not an accident, accident, it was something part of a
1: plan? I think everything's part of a plan. I think... Mm -hmm. uh, I really do. I, this, my, it's my belief, anyways, that before we incarnate into this lifetime, we set up a plan for ourselves. And I was told through this channeling that if I hadn't gotten to this place in my life by a certain time, it was part of my plan to do something to shake me up a little bit and to yes. get me on the right track. And I had been living a very busy life and I still do, although now I make a, a point of incorporating a spiritual practice into my busy life. But up until that point, I really hadn't done that. I was happy, and I, I had a great life in, in, in almost every way, but it was really just dictated by making money, buying things, improving my life in a materialistic sort of sense, taking trips here and there, and, and that kind of thing. But it didn't have the depth that... It needed. And I feel that right now we're in this period of time uh, as a collective where we're beginning to awaken and we're starting to ask these questions uh, on, a, on a deeper level. What's my purpose? Why am I here? Where do I go when I die? All these things that bring us back to the, the truth of why we're here. And for me, I believe I needed that shock and that impact. That's very
0: true, yes. Uh,
1: And um, also,
0: it's so true what you're saying, the collective consciousness now has changed uh, in the world. I noticed that. I lived a longer time than you. (laughs) So I've seen the changes in the world and how different things are right now. There are remnants of, of, how should I say, of, of negativity. uh, those who don't want to be part of this in certain parts of the world and we know where we have the troubled areas uh, in the world. But then also uh, I see particularly around, uh, well, I always kind of not quite criticize, but I'm a little critical towards my own country, Sweden, where there is a total anti-feeling against spirituality and religion, totally against it, and everything has to be scientific, and I don't even think people know what it means with being scientific. To Science is not a fact. It is a string of tests. You have various proof or various results from various tests, but it doesn't mean that this is the case. But uh, I see that particularly in America, there is a big, big opening for spirituality now, much, much more than just uh, 10 years ago, when it was kind of back to religion and back to restrictions. How is it in Canada? Is it more like Europe, where it's a little bit more conservative, or are you more like in the United States?
1: Well, I, I can really only speak to the places that I'm familiar with, but I I feel, especially where I live, in the interior of British Columbia, there's a huge movement towards spirituality. I mean, there's there's meditation practices being introduced into primary schools. There's yoga ah. studios on, on every yes. corner. There's um, gatherings and... and uh, groups that are 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 able to meet and and gather in a sacred space, and people are a lot more open to conversations around spirituality, even around death. I mean, there's been a for the most part, people don't like to discuss the idea of death. It's kind of a closed topic, but I feel that that's changing. And I know for myself, one of the things that I really fought with when I started to awaken to this whole other side of me was coming out of myself and um, being okay with talking about these things that were important to me, and it was such a driving force that I couldn't help myself. I didn't Mm. worry anymore about what other people were thinking and i really started to feel an urgency to contribute to a change in perception and a change in thought patterns and a change in my own animity around those things so yeah, i i really started to focus on those things and incorporate them in my daily life i would take them to work when i was off work during my recovery period there was days when i just couldn't keep myself from being at work it was it's my company there these are my friends and my family that work for me and so I would I would go to work and I would take my journals with all these amazing channeled messages that at this point were simply channeled messages within a journal and I would um, do delivery trips with my drivers to gravel pits and compost sites and the whole nine yards and while we're traveling yeah. I would read them my channeled messages and it changed the whole dynamic within our company and it changed the dynamics within their family lives. And, and, you know, so that's I guess so I kind of digress. Yeah. That's, that's very interesting
0: how, uh, how we can actually change the world this way. Don't you think so? What is wrong with it is our world amazing
1: today? What is, what, what do you feel? Well, I, I think for the most part, if, if I was to pick one thing, I, I think it's, that we have strayed from our our roots and from our source and from ourselves, and we've lost our authenticity. And for the most part, we tend to uh, do things and say things that we feel are going to be accepted as opposed to doing and saying the things that feel right for us. We've adopted so many belief systems from the time we were young children that may not even be our own belief systems. And for the most part, they're not, but these are belief systems that we've adopted uh, to, I guess, survive, or feel like we need these belief systems to survive. And I think one of the the saddest things is that we don't take the time to do the things that we're passionate about and that excite us. And, for me that seems to be the key in realigning with our higher self and realigning with source and all that is is to follow our passions, do the things that bring excitement to our lives and be ourselves. As yes, opposed of course, to I say that
0: also to uh, my clients, you know, and then they say, "Well, you know, you cannot make money that way." <laughs> and then I'm trying to assure them, "Well, when you're happy in your job, you know, you do make more money,
1: don't you?" Agree? You do. You really do. I agree wholeheartedly, and I think that yeah. statement that a lot of people make is uh, a fear-based statement, and that, and then it's for those people that feel that way, it's time to really analyze that statement. Why do you feel that you can't make a living doing the things that make you happy? That goes back to a belief system somewhere.
0: How are you bringing up your son? Do you teach him all these uh, things uh, according to your new philosophy?
1: I do. Or he's an age he wouldn't listen. (laughs) Well, he's definitely at an age where you wonder if they're listening, but i I know that he is he'll he will come out with things at the least expected moment and uh and it becomes clear and evident that he is picking up on the way we live our life and being compassionate towards all souls and you know there there isn't a time that there's many people in our city, along with other cities that are homeless and and in front of the grocery store looking for food or money. And my son Dawson always has money in his pocket or close by to give to them. He he is very compassionate and caring. And Mm. I think that may be another problem with our world is that so many kids aren't fortunate enough to be learning these things from the people around them. And I think we have a responsibility as adults to incorporate more of a soulful existence into their lives, this is and so true. Go ahead. Yes.
0: Uh, no, and uh, that, uh, particularly now, your generations—the one with the small children or children at at with between five to fifteen or five to twenty—it's so important to teach those kids that respect for other beings not only human beings, but for all life in the world is something very important. And also to learn consequences of what we have been doing, of everything. You put a plant in the ground, and now you have to nurture this plant to make it grow into something. And this is the same with human beings. We have to nurture life around us. And uh, I think those two, respect and consequences, They have been forgotten in our world today because we have this only, oh, money, 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 money comes first. We all love to see uh, the shark tank on television, don't we? I think it's funny. But you have Mr. Wonderful, who I'm sure is a nice man, but how do we make money of this? Yes, it's a good idea, but how do we make the money? (laughs) And this Mm -hmm. is very much the attitude out there that money is so important. And that is, in a way, the devil of our life
1: hmm mm-hmm. And I, I think just going back a little bit to what, what you were saying, um, as far as consequences go, it's one thing to explain to a child or to anybody, for that matter, how a consequence of an action may come back to them. It's an entirely different thing to allow somebody to experience that for themselves. So, for example, with our son, uh, I'm I'll, I'll allow him... certain leeway as far as making his own decisions and and that kind of thing. And what's interesting is when he makes a poor decision, that will come back to him almost instantly as a negative outcome. And then I will very gently and lovingly point that out to him. For example, negative attitude, right? I'm I'm sure all of us that have parents know that 12-year-olds can exhibit a negative attitude (laughs) From time to time. Oh, absolutely. Wait till they turn teenagers. <laughs> yeah, I, I know. I think they're <laughs> starting to become teenagers at a younger age these days. But yeah, I think so too. Uh, what
0: it I it re- starts at twelve. Yes. It
1: does. In our case, it it does for sure. He's definitely yes. turning or maybe into a teenager. On.
0: Yes. Now I see this with twelve. Not very much in my own family. Also, it seems to be the going age. <laughs> Hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: I think an easy. I think for sort of an easy example for twelve-year-olds because they are so young is to really try to teach them uh, about law of attraction. It's a simple concept, really. Life is a reflection. What you put out is what you get back. And if yes. you decide to jump on that hamster wheel of negativity and give that energy and give that your focus that's what's going to come back to you. It's inevitable. Yeah. And they have to learn that for themselves. And I see it with my son. He'll go on to that negative side and um, and then, no, you know, not soon after that, things start to really go downhill. And then as soon as he changes his attitude – to, and jumps on the other hamster wheel of positivity, things start really going well for him. And he'll figure it out at some point. You know, there's two pedals here. I can go this direction or I can go this direction. And where we put our focus is what's going to come back to us.
0: Yeah. No, it, it's a very, very good concept. And it's very important to teach this at this age uh, because it will just grow and grow with with the years now the title of this program i took one of your uh, titles which is three ways to change your life without changing your schedule uh can we go into this a little bit uh, three ways to change your life without changing your schedule how how can i change my life uh, in three ways to make it better
1: well the things that that i found very helpful for myself and and people that i work with that are sort of at a starting point um, in terms of making some changes within their life, bringing back some clarity, realigning with who they are, these things that we've been talking about throughout this show. I think for a lot of people, it seems overwhelming at first. They think that they have to change their entire life in order to become a spiritual person. And it's not like that. It's really not. Especially... um, at the beginning, I think gradually as you you grow and transform, your life will naturally progress more and more in that direction. But for a lot of us, we, we're busy. We we don't have a lot of time. So the the concept of becoming a spiritually based person may seem overwhelming. So when I first awakened, uh, I went through two things in that year of 2012 just prior to the bike crash. I also was uh, bitten by a wood tick and was um, ended up with Lyme's disease. So wow, that's serious. It, it can be. It can be very serious. Yeah. And I was fortunate. I had early signs. I did a lot of research within 48 hours. I, too, am a very scientifically minded person. I like to have things backed up. And I like Mm-hmm. I, I try to incorporate science with alternative and, and bring the two together as much but What as possible. are the what, what
0: are the symptoms for Lyme disease?
1: Severe that headaches in extreme. case
0: someone is interested with, I'm sure they are Okay
1: yeah well Lyme disease you for, get them first
0: and then how does it start how do you know that it could be the beginning of Lyme disease so how how, how what symptoms do you have?
1: Well, for a lot what of people, you, they can go for... Well, initially, obviously, I found the tick, which is a which is a, a start. A lot of people mm, are stung, the tick falls off, and they don't even know. Yeah. I mean, I had three on me that year. I live in an area where there's lots of wood ticks, so I really didn't think much about it. But a week after I pulled this tick off of me, which happened to be on my birthday, I... I um, was just checking the spot because it seemed irritated and there was a bright red circle like a bullseye around the bite. Mm-hmm. And that is the only thing, apparently, that clearly determines that you've been infected with Lyme's disease. And within a few days after finding that ring, I was bombarded with migraines, severe fatigue, um a little bit of nausea, I couldn't function throughout the day. I couldn't get through a day without stopping in at my parents' place and having a an hour to nap and This went on for about a week and During that week, i did a did a bunch of research and I ended up doing two types of treatment: one was an alternative treatment and the other one was a twenty one day round of antibiotics and i so about a month later. I did not have any signs anymore of the Lyme disease, which I was so fortunate because I caught it early. Yes. For those of you that are out there that may think that you have Lyme disease, it can be very frustrating because um, generally it goes undiagnosed for years and years and years. But if anyone does want information, feel free to send me an email, um or a comment through my website stephaniebanks.org, and I can send you some links in terms of Lyme's disease because that is a whole other topic. But in terms of sort of getting back to these three three things three, that yes, helped me mm-hmm. tremendously through the Lyme's disease and the antibiotics, in particular, the antibiotics just wreaked havoc on my on my system. And I ended up dealing with something else that everyone, a lot of people, deal with, which is candida. And to get rid of candida, you have to literally purge your system of all the toxins that are in your uh, that are in your system and clean up your diet. So, if if anyone's I have a very good diet for that, by the way. It's a little hard, but it's I have a very good diet for that, and it really works. <laughs> It does. It really does, yes. doesn't it? Like it, it, and it is such a. It really is a simple thing to do if you want to do it. If you want to clean your connection to your connecting link, as Carlos Castaneda would say, your your connecting link to your higher self. It starts mm-hmm. with your physical body. This is the vessel that we have here on Earth that carries us through this lifetime, and if our vessel is not clean then our connecting link is not going to be clean. So if you are really interested in having a clean connection with source, channeling your own profound wisdom from, from our guides and our teachers and one passed on loved ones, our higher self, whatnot, it starts with with a clean, a clean vessel, a clean body. So the first thing we, that I would recommend... We forget that, yeah. The, the body we, do, is and we, live temple. In this we have to keep
0: a good clean body for for a good life. There's no way you can walk around it.
1: No, there isn't. It's you know, I use the analogy of a vehicle. We have our vehicles and we we change the oil, we put in gas, we give them tune ups, all these things and, and when we don't do these things to our vehicle, well our vehicle breaks down. And the same thing for for our body. So the first thing that is such a good an thing easy is to have a good body,
0: good, clean body, yes,
1: <laughs> yeah, remove the toxins no. from your body, really pay attention to what you put in your body, whether it 's through food, through cosmetics, through lotions and shampoo, all those kinds of things. start paying attention yes. to what you 're putting in your body mm-hmm. and then the second thing that I found for myself and people that I work with has such a tremendous impact on your day is to take seven minutes, preferably in the morning, where you sit by yourself, you find a quiet, peaceful place, and you take a few minutes. I suggest seven minutes. I, I don't really know why I chose seven minutes, but that's just what I do. It's a good number. It seems like mm-hmm. it's a good number. It's, yes, not it's a good too long. number. <laughs> if can, yeah. And if I can find seven minutes, I, I'm pretty certain everybody can find seven minutes. And in that seven minutes, you find find a quiet place. And I always begin by offering gratitudes. Gratitudes to the universe, to the world, to whatever comes to mind, to the sun, the moon, the stars, the bees, the trees, our food, our plants, whatever it is that you are grateful for. And on any given day, that may change slightly. But the idea is that that's offering your love that's offering your love and your gratitude to the to the world and 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 it's appreciated it's felt it's felt by our yeah. guys. It's, it's so important and
0: i have people who have everything in the world who who come to me and are unhappy and that always ask them have you been grateful for anything oh no i'm not grateful i'm so unhappy <laughs> you know and they have everything that you could wish for so gratitude number one yes or number mm-hmm.
1: two i mean it's part it- of the three it's very important right and and you know there you know there are people out there that that are struggling and, and may not even have a roof over their head and that might be listening to this and and be thinking, what do I have to be grateful for? I I don't have a job, I lost my partner. There's so many different variables out there. And they're sick,
0: they have been told they have cancer and all those sicknesses that they've been told they cannot cure. And so they say afterwards, oh, I have nothing to be grateful for. And still there's so many things you can be grateful for. Just, you know, to open your eyes and to see in the morning. Or to just step out of bed in the morning. All those little things.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's always something to be grateful every for. Every day
0: for things to be grateful for. So, well, uh, I don't buy this when they complain, oh, I have no money, or I have no health, or, I have no husband, or, I have no love in my life. <laughs> well, start to yeah. give life, and maybe it will come to you.
1: That's right. And then that comes back to what you put out is yes, what you Yes, it comes get back, back to you, whatever you give. Mm hmm. Yeah, So, if so go, yes, ahead. go
0: ahead. Yeah, no, go ahead. We have this delay again, which is kind of not easy at times. This like juggling. <laughs> no.
1: Well, so, we are kind of far the, apart, so that's okay. Yeah. So start out, so you find your quiet spot, you're sitting, you give a few minutes of gratitude. It doesn't need to be long and drawn out. Just put it out there. And then... And then try to take a minute or two of complete silence. And sometimes I find it useful to just focus on something. Look at a candle. Look at a plant. Just focus on, on a spot on the wall. And and try to just sit in, in in quiet contemplation without any thought. I guess contemplating is thinking, so that's not the right word. But just really try to find that silence within yourself where... Where you're just sitting at at peace and and do that for a few minutes, and then just before you come out of this state of gratitude and silence, set your intentions for the day and i this has become kind of uh, maybe a a cliche word right now set your intentions, but our thoughts are a forecast to our actions, so if you take a few minutes in the morning to set your intentions for the day, be it Today I'm going to enter into this world coming from a place of love. I'm going to be a compassionate human being. I'm going to try my best to um, to be a good listener. Wh- whatever it is that you would like to set your intentions for, for that day or that week or the year to come, it's a perfect opportunity to do that and sort of set set the wheels in motion for where your day is going to go. And mm-hmm. for myself, when I, like I do that. this seven-minute me- it's very simple. Yeah, I like I like your your points.
0: I like them. They are practical and they are not theoretical. They are something you can do. Anyone can do that at any time.
1: Exactly, and this is how this is how I came through my book, A Soulful Awakening. I wrote it from the standpoint of practicality, looking at your life from a different perspective and looking at life as an opportunity for growth. Every situation has a lesson within it. And rather than get caught up in the negativity of the experience, to step back and look at things from a different point of view. And And these things can be very practical. Seven minutes in the morning, it's very easy to do. And I find for myself there's days when I miss this. And when I miss my seven minutes in the morning – it has a huge impact on the rest of my day. When Mm, I do the seven minutes in the morning, things flow really easily. And I get that seven minutes back tenfold throughout the day because my life is flowing much more easily. Yeah, sounds very good. Uh, I hope everyone
0: would follow that. If people want to get hold of you, how can they find you? Not the phone number, but uh, email address and website again.
1: The uh, my website is stephaniebanks.org, so I can be found there quite easily. I have a blog, I have um, a comment section for my blog. My email address is Steph at Steph, S T E P H, at Stephanie, Stephanie, org, or of course. Through a, a soulful awakening, which is my book. Yeah. So then the, the third thing um, is to, that's really easy to do throughout the day, is to really start paying attention to your thoughts. Now, this is a huge Good. one because when you start paying mm-hmm. attention to your thoughts, you start realizing how many thoughts are repetitive. It's been estimated that the average person has approximately six, 60,000 separate thoughts per day, but the majority of these are repeated. So when you start paying attention to your thoughts, you start realizing how many thoughts of these are are repetitive and and useless, really, for the most part. We start to worry. We start to brood. Did I say the right thing? What did they mean by that? Have I done this? Have I done that? Oh my gosh, I forgot to do this. Um, so-and-so is coming for <clears throat> dinner tomorrow, that was a fun dinner we had last night. These really aren't productive thoughts. So if we can start cleaning up the interior of our mind and replacing those thoughts with either quiet space, which is a difficult thing to do at first, um, that, uh, or I don't know how-, how you do
0: that really, quiet uh, since we have thoughts going through our minds all the time. Uh That's what we are. I mean, we are just uh, scrambled thoughts. But what people are not knowing is that thoughts matter. Exactly what you're saying. Thoughts are extremely important. That is forming the person that you are. And if you have a bad experience with someone during the day, and I know everyone, including us too, we in our mind people think, Oh, I should have said that, or why didn't I say that? And you make new conversation in your mind about some negative situation that you really shouldn't spend any time on at all.
1: Exactly. And I think when we when we have those those thoughts or those um even though when we interact with the world in a negative way, whether it's you know, through anger or manipulation or control or when we have these moments, I think it's really important to not judge ourselves for that and to not pretend like it didn't happen and and think, okay, well, I wasn't really being that way and quickly replace it with a more positive way. I think we have to sit and understand why we may have come from that place. And that goes back to our, our belief systems and really trying to understand why we react as opposed to respond in certain situations. So when we have these thoughts, allow them to come, but to not be so judgmental of ourselves when when they're negative. And it is a really difficult thing to to not uh, to not have thoughts run through your head. So I spend a lot of time driving to and from work, mm-hmm. to and from jobs, and this is when I yeah. spend the most majority of my time. Thinking and when I find myself caught up in this repetitive thought process, the thing that really works well for me is to um, to start to replace those thoughts with affirmations. That's I'm beautiful. Good. Yes. I am love. Mm-hmm. I, the I'm a magical expression of profound possibilities. <laughs> Whatever it is that comes to your mind, if you're going to be thinking, why not think happy, positive thoughts about yourself? Absolutely.
0: Instead of all the things oh, of course. Yeah, and uh, those are things you know we should be taught at school from the very first grade that if you have a bad day and you have negative thoughts going through your mind, replace them with a good thought with happy feelings, and I'm teaching that to to the kids in my family now also. And, uh, of course, uh, when I was a mother, active mother, it was different. Then, of course, I was told, oh, no, I want to think my own thoughts. (laughs) But, of course, times have changed now. I notice children are more open, and we have all these new souls entering this world. Have you noticed that? I mean, very aware, little kids. Lots of wisdom going on.
1: Well, I think that's part of our... Our evolutionary evolution spiritual evolution that we're going through i think kids are being born into this world with a different agenda i think oh, my son
0: mm-hmm.
1: was born with a different agenda than perhaps myself or people that are even older than myself they're they're bringing in a new energy things are changing old belief systems are starting to change the, the um the the old paradigm is sort of dying off or being challenged by this new energy that kids are bringing into this world. And for the most part, I I think if they're left to their, not left to their own devices, but if they're allowed to express themselves in, um, in more ways than we tend to sort of suppress our kids and constantly tell them what to do and what decisions to make and, and who to be and how to act and all these kinds of things. But I think if we give them a little bit more freedom of expression, they'll start teaching us a lot. And
0: they, they have I a, noticed
1: that kids
0: under seven or so are very, very wise. They come up with observations that have never occurred to me. And sometimes when I have to work with clients, their, clients, their kids, they can, come with their parents, and they come up with questions that... I never have ever thought of and they are impossible to to answer in many ways for who is God and who created God God created everything well who created God that kind of thing you know they mm-hmm. they have a different kind of man, mind that is not as tainted and as disturbed as we are because they're fresh and clear in the world and notice the new souls now if they're very spiritual they're also more sensitive to Certain foods. I don't know if you notice that around you with your with your child's friends, but I never seen allergies and sensitivities the way I see now. When I grew up, no one had any sensitivities, but kids were not quite as open and spiritual either. So I don't know which comes first. <laughs> uh, but it seems that these these are souls that are more mature, and once you have more spirituality, you also have a higher frequency. And once you have a higher frequency, and that goes for all of us, we have more of a sensitivity to the lower energies, like lower kind of Mm -hmm. food. And that's why we have to keep our bodies clean and clear of Mm -hmm. those lower energy food. And there's Mm -hmm. an attempt to do that, too, I noticed in the world, that they try to stay away from junk
1: food and so on there is and that's part of the whole whole shift and when you start looking at at life as a whole and all the facets that go around with with life on this planet at this time there's so many things that are shifting and people are becoming more conscientious of what they put into their bodies more conscientious of of energy and and how we interact with energy and um and how we interact with one another and that's all part of this awakening that we're going through and I believe that we have a certain obligation I mean I am talking from my own point of view but for those of us that feel like we have um, we're on the cusp or in the middle of awakening ourselves we have a, a certain responsibility to our, our collective to all the souls on the planet to do whatever we can to to help raise that awareness and to help raise that vibration because we live in this world of duality and right now there's also a really strong push on the negative side when you look at the world and what's going on.
0: Yes, and it's because the stronger the light is shining, the more the darkness is reminded of that they're beginning to shrink and be weaker, so they are trying to push back very much. Mm-hmm. And that is the yeah. problem in the world right now. Unfortunate, unfortunate. But as I say, the light will always win.
1: The light will always win. It will. Light, yeah. Love will always will always conquer fear. Ego, ego, and and power and greed are, are very strong forces, but they're they're short lived and they're temporary. They, you know
0: exactly. They will not last forever. And as we have seen, all wars also. Well, we had the thirty year war in Europe, but you know, uh, war still doesn't stay forever, it kind of fades away uh, always, and Mm -hmm. it it shall pass it will pass, as long as we turn into the worshipping the right God, so to speak, meaning love and light
1: and and really understanding that, that God is within we are all connected, we're all born equal, we all have something and many things to contribute and um when we when we start looking at this whole concept of life as a reflection we really start to think about what what we're putting out there and yeah. knowing that what we put out is a direct reflection what we're getting back is a direct reflection of what we're what we're putting out so bringing awareness to pretty simple concepts can be very Life-changing, and then you you get into this conversation where people start feeling overwhelmed again because they think, well, how am I, how am I, one little person on the planet, going to change? Going to change yeah. the, world? <laughs> the world? Well, it, it, and, it, right, and then it, it then it gets into this big, huge, overwhelming thought, and and then you have to bring it back to yourself. And the best way to contribute in a positive way is to become realigned with yourself and and to become realigned with yourself yeah, to be and the do one you that you love
0: yes and now please yeah, exactly we, our time is actually up but it will still be streaming for the archives so even if it's cutting off in the recording now if anyone listens live they have been cut off already but we will we can finish in a more <laughs> dignified ending here <sighs> okay. in in a minute or two <laughs> So okay. <laughs> uh, no life is what you give to, to life. I mean you are the master master of your or your life. That is the number one rule. I think you are making your life. You can never have a better life than what you turn your life into being. So um, that is that is really what we were talking today um about uh that there is something within each one of us the power I call myself, I am the light. And this is the God within. And that is what Jesus also said, I am the light. This is the way and this is the truth. And we all have that ability within us to use this shiny light within us for the good of the world, for, for our own own good as well. So thank you so very much, Stephanie Banks, and for sharing this hour with us. It was nice to have you. I'm Helena Steiner-Hornstein, uh, your Woman of the Hour. And uh, you can find me on www.speakingtoyourheart.com. Again, speakingtoyourheart.com. And I will be in touch next time with you all. Thank you, Stephanie, and goodbye. Thank you. Thank you so much. Right, Thank you for being with me. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for having me. Good. What a nice, nice moment. <laughs> thank you yeah, so much. Bye bye. Bye bye. Bye bye.